Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters is the best sports bar in Navy Yard, located just across the street from Nationals Park. Also a great place to check out if you're headed to Audi Field. Pre-game party this Saturday night ahead of D.C. United's next match. Register at waltersdc.com to receive one free old-time lager. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thomas hits a ground ball up the middle. It's through. It's a base hit into center field. Robles heading home. Siri throws to second. Abrams is safe going back in there as Robles crosses the plate with the go-ahead run. Lane Thomas has driven in three. It's the Nationals five and the Rays four. Luke Rayleigh leads off. 0 for 2 of the sack fly and swings and drives the first pitch to deep left. Down the line, it's going, going, and it is gone. Goodbye. An opposite field home run off a 95-mile-an-hour fastball right down the left field line. Here's the set. Now the pitch. Swing and a drive hit deep to right field. By low, this is way back. This ball is gone. Goodbye. Into the second deck in right center field. Back-to-back home runs for the Rays here in the top of the ninth inning. Here's the set. Now the pitch. Swing and a line drive to deep left center field. Way back. Going, going, and gone. Goodbye. It's a three-run home run for Yandy Diaz, his second of the year. It's the third home run of the inning by the Rays. And welcome to Nat Chat for Wednesday, April 5th. 2023, along with MadisonSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at Nationals Park. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. What we know, the Nats this season uh, do not figure to have many chances at wins. So those chances that the Nats do have for wins, uh, you'd like to see the Nats capitalize on those chances. A capitalizing on a chance at a victory did not happen on Tuesday night. The Nats fell to one and four with a 10-6 loss to the Tampa Bay Rays at Nationals Park in Game 2 of a three-game series. The Nats in this game blew a 6-4 eighth-inning lead as their bullpen, their closer in particular, completely fell apart. Hunter Harvey came into the game to begin the eighth inning with the Nats leading 6-4. Harvey gave up a run. Then came the Nats closer, Kyle Finnegan. And the uh, closer, he was not close in this game. Kyle Finnegan, a disaster of a top-of-the-ninth inning during which he gave up three home runs, allowed five runs, and recorded just one out. He was bad for a second time in three appearances this season, 
And Mark, you know, even in a rebuilding season, some losses sting more than others. And this loss on Tuesday night, uh, the loss stung quite a bit. It did, Al, because they honestly did so many things well in this game. This was going to be a, a fairly uplifting win, not just a, hey, they did a nice job. They won a game. No, they actually did some really good things in this game. Offensively, 16 hits. How about that? You had production from all over the place. They ran the bases aggressively and well. They played clean defense throughout, and there was some really good bullpen work up until uh, you know we got towards the end there. So I think that does make it sting uh, a little more. And of course, you understand that the best closers in the game are going to blow a handful of them over the course of a season. This wasn't a blown save. This was a meltdown of a save. You said he recorded only one out. That out came on a pickoff. He did not retire any of the six batters he faced. It didn't really seem like he came close to retiring anyone. The three home runs he gave up were on three different pitches, fastball, splitter, slider. He had nothing in this game. And you know, I get it. Everybody's going to have their off night. It happens. But the way that that imploded on them and on him in the ninth, I think made this one really sting. No doubt. And, you know, with Kyle Finnegan, I mean, it's not like there's a lengthy track record of great success, you know, like he is a work in progress. And one of the things that we're really coming to know with him is that the good is really good, but the bad can be hideous. You know, he's kind of like, a graduated version of Wander Suero. Like he's Kyle Suero, you know, when he's good, he's good. But when he's bad, he's really bad. And you're never quite sure which Kyle Finnegan is going to show up. And what happened in this game on Tuesday night, I mean, this was painful. So Kyle Finnegan comes into the game with the Nats nursing a 6-5 lead, but he gives up a home run to each of the first two batters he faces. A first pitch opposite field leadoff homer by Luke Rayleigh to left field to tie the game at six. And then a go-ahead solo homer by Josh Lowe on a bomb to the second deck in right field for a 7-6 raise lead, 429 feet per stat cast. Then Finnegan issued a seven-pitch walk of Isak Paredes, although Finnegan ended up picking off uh, the pinch runner, Manuel Margot, at second base off him having stolen second base. But Finnegan then gave up a one-out single to Taylor Walls to center field. And then Finnegan gave up a one-out double to Jose Siri off the right center field scoreboard. And then Finnegan gave up a one-out three-run homer by Yandy Diaz into the Rays bullpen in left field for a 10-6 Rays lead. All the while, Davey Martinez left Finnegan in the game. Now, at the risk of getting worked up about a game in early April for a rebuilding team, why did Davey leave Finnegan in the game for as long as Davey left Finnegan in the game on Tuesday night? His explanation was essentially that Kyle Finnegan is the closer of this team and he feels he deserves the chance to try to get his way out of a tough spot. You know, I was going to give him 25 pitches to do, to kind of get out of it, but they never just, they were on everything. If it got past that point, then he was going to pull the plug and we saw that he did. It actually was 24 pitches that he threw. So there's that. He's saying that in the long run, they need this guy to be right. And he clearly wasn't right in this game. And so you're hoping that maybe he figures it out. Two issues, I think, here. One, as you alluded to, and we've, we've talked about this before. When he's off, you kind of know it. And he has not really shown an ability to figure it out as an inning plays out. He gave up homers on all three of his types of pitches. Everything was down the middle. 
So nothing was working for him in this game. And this didn't come out of nowhere. He had a rocky opening day appearance. Didn't have the greatest spring. I mean, relievers in spring training is always tricky. You you don't really pay that much attention to it because you can't simulate the high stress, high leverage ninth inning of a close game that actually matters and you're not facing big name hitters usually. So you disregard some of that. But there's not a lot of body of work there to tell you, okay, he's, he's in a good place right now. He has not looked all that great. So there's that. But the other problem with it is if he was going to pull him, who was it going to be? Hobie Harris, a rookie who's got one big league appearance. And unfortunately, the way they've designed this pitching staff and their formula for success, you get five innings from your starter. That's about all you can ask for, especially when it's Chad Cool. And then what do you do? You go to the A bullpen. So it's a Rosmo Ramirez, Carl Edwards, Hunter Harvey, Kyle Finnegan. Who's left at that point that you really trust in what is still a competitive one-run game? So I understand probably what's going through his mind as this all plays out, but I keep coming back to this idea of we've seen it before with Finnegan. When he's off, he's off, and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of reason to believe that he's going to figure it out before he leaves the mound. I mean, I would think that that's not having an off day until a week from Thursday may be factored into the decision-making as well. But, you know, to me, it's like, okay, Davey operated with extreme urgency when you look at how he managed the sixth, seventh, and eighth innings. He used a different reliever in each inning. Like, Erasmo Ramirez only faced three guys in a perfect top of the sixth. Carl Edwards Jr. only faced three guys in a perfect top of the seventh. You could have kept Ramirez or Edwards in for another inning in the event that Finnegan struggled, then you go to someone who is not yet pitched. Now, if you want to tell me, hey, it's a rebuilding season, okay? Kyle Finnegan, if he struggles, needs to work his way out of the struggles as part of his development. Okay, I I can actually accept that. But that's not the way that Davey handled the 6th, 7th, and 8th innings. Davey handled the 6th, 7th, and 8th innings with, again, urgency, with a little bit of tempo, with, hey, we go from Ramirez to Edwards to Harvey to Finnegan. Like, we're trying to win this game. We're trying to lock down this game. So if that's the approach, you know, as Kyle Finnegan is sinking in quicksand, I mean, he did not have it. And I think that that's one of those things that you can say to almost every reliever. Like, he either has it or he doesn't. And with most of these guys, when they don't have it, you know it. And it is so rare for a reliever to come into a game, not have it, and then all of a sudden discover it. Like, a starting pitcher can maybe do that. Heck, Chad Cool kind of did that on Tuesday night. But with these relievers, like, you have to be almost militant. If you don't have it, you get him out and you get the next guy in. Now, again, rebuilding team, early April, I understand all that. But, you know, I'm just, I'm watching that and I'm like, does Davey know he can come out and pull Finnegan? Like Finnegan looked bad. And to the extent to which you can read a player's mind, he looked like he didn't believe in himself. His body language was off. He was getting hit hard. I mean, this was the definition of not having it. Yeah, I I agree with all that. And, you know, I don't think that Davey, whether he should or shouldn't, but I don't think he is necessarily viewing a game like that within the prism of, well, it's a rebuild. So it doesn't really matter, or it's more important to let a guy try to figure it out. I don't think that's the way he thinks about anything. I think he's trying to go 1-0 and every day. That's the way he manages, the way he lives his life. And looking back on this, Erasmo Ramirez throws 11 pitches in a 1-2-3 sixth inning. We know he's a guy who goes multiple innings all the time. That, to me, would be the one where you could say, hey, come back and pitch the seventh, save Edwards, and now he's your fallback in case things fall apart with Finnegan. And if it doesn't, and hey, you win the game, everything's good. Well, now you have a fresh Carl Edwards for the following day's game. So I I think there's a a good argument to approach it that way. But that's just not how Davey did it. And 
you know, I guess I understand as well. You only you're going to get so many chances to win a close game against a good opponent. So maybe you do fire all the bullets. But I did kind of have this sinking feeling all along in this game that even though they're outplaying them, they're not far away from blowing this thing, both because of some runs they left on the board. We can get to that when we talk about the offense. But also they they set that up where they kind of used up everybody they had in the bullpen, and it was going to be Finnegan or bust in the ninth, and it was a huge bust. Absolutely. Uh, Mark mentioned what happened with Kyle Finnegan on opening day, that 7-2 loss to Atlanta at Nationals Park. Finnegan in that game in the top of the ninth gave up three runs to earn. You know, it certainly sounded during Davey's postgame presser like, you know, Finnegan is staying in this role of closer. Although, you know, it's interesting. I mean, we have seen in recent years, you know, Davey not adhere strictly to you're my eighth inning guy, you're my ninth inning guy. I wonder if we maybe do start to see some variance and maybe Finnegan gets used earlier in a game. Maybe, you know, a Hunter Harvey gets to close out a game, something like that. Maybe a Mason Thompson gets a chance to close out a game. But, you know, again, I mean, with Finnegan, it's not like the track record screams that he has to be your closer. Like there has been enough bad with him to where, you know, I think you should feel the freedom to use him and move him around a little bit if, in fact, he's struggling. And clearly he is struggling uh, in this early portion of the season. Yeah, and and it hasn't happened yet, but I think if there was a game where they led by a run and the heart of the other team's lineup was up in the eighth, I think he would, uh, at least prior to tonight, would use Finnegan there and, and save somebody else for the ninth. I know Hunter Harvey wasn't perfect, and he did go up a run himself, but in the bigger picture, I do feel like the day is coming when he's going to get his chance to pitch the ninth and get his first big league save. And if that goes well, I could see that transition happening at some point. I'm not saying it's going to happen right away. I don't think Davey, he isn't facing the kind of pressure and this team isn't in the kind of situation where you're going to make a bold move like that, you know, one week in. But if it happens again, if Harvey is pitching very well, I could see a scenario absolutely where he ends up taking over in the closers role. Do you think if the Nats were a contending team or were believed to be a contending team that Davey would have handled the ninth inning any differently on Tuesday night? I'm going to say probably not because, again, who did he have left at that point? You're talking about guys who don't have the track record of pitching in high leverage spots. So I think he probably would have done it the same way. I, there are things that he's certainly doing in which you can say he knows this is a rebuilding year and he's going to let some young guys figure some things out, all, all that kind of stuff. But I do think, especially when it comes late in the game and they have a chance to win a game, he's going to pull out all the stops and do what he has to do to try to win that game. doesn't always work. And you may not agree with every decision that he makes along the way, but I think he's doing the vast majority of it with his mindset being, I'm trying to win this game, whatever I need to do. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Everyone loves a smart investment, especially right now. And there is no better place to put your money right now than in your home. If your home is 20 years old or older, Window Nation has the perfect offer for you. Get 0% financing for five years. This is unheard of. Zero interest for five years. Plus, Window Nation will give you two free windows for every two windows that you buy. Protect and increase the value of your home today. Get this special deal. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. You can save up to 30% on your energy bills. You can increase the value of your home by up to $12,000 and you can pay 
zero interest for five years and get two free windows for every two windows that you buy. And this goes for any style of window from Window Nation. There is no limit. Save thousands of dollars on your new windows and then save thousands of dollars on your energy bills, all while upgrading the look and feel of your home. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com. And tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Again, zero interest for five years plus two free windows for every two windows that you buy. 866-90NATION or windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com. And tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Hey, Nat Chat listeners. Tim Shovers here, producer and founder of the podcast. Here to tell you about game time. Do you struggle sometimes to find tickets to your favorite events? Buying tickets to your favorites shouldn't be so stressful. That's why you should look into the game time app. It's even harder these days with the lack of paper tickets available on the street. If you're looking for tickets to Nats, DC United, or even the Drake concert this summer, GameTime offers the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. GameTime is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account at GameTime.co and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at virginia.org. And the pitch swung on and belted to left center field. This is deep. Robles back on the warning track. He's at the wall of the Brewhouse red seats. And this one is gone. Goodbye. Tucks into the second row. Over the wall in left center field. And Jose Siri has his second home run of the year. A two-out solo shot in the top of inning number two. And the Rays get one back. It's now Tampa Bay four. And Washington two. The Rays hit their eighth home run of the 
young season. Well, the Nats starting pitcher on Tuesday night was Chad Cool. Uh, he made his Nats regular season debut. Remember, Chad Cool is in the Nats rotation as the replacement for Cade Cavalli, who, of course, is done for the season due to Tommy John surgery. You know, the Nats just signed Cool a couple of months ago. February 4th, uh, the team announced the signing of Cool to a minor league contract with an invite to Major League Spring Training. Age 30 season is coming off a rough season for the Colorado Rockies. Got off to a rough start on Tuesday night. His final line, four runs in five innings, but this really ended up being a tale of two outings for Chad Cool. Uh, he, in the top of the first, allowed three runs on two singles, an RBI double, an RBI ground out, and a one-out RBI sack fly. You said to yourself, oh boy, here we go. This could be ugly on this Tuesday night at Nationals Park. But then... Chad Cool pitched with Cool. He, over the rest of his start, one run in four innings, during which he retired 12 of the 14 batters he faced. He, in the top of the second, did give up a two-out solo homer to Jose Siri to center field. But I tell you, what looked like it would be a disastrous start for Chad Cool ended up actually being a pretty good start when you consider what happened over his final four innings. Yeah, I think this is one where the final line does not really accurately reflect the way that he pitched. I thought he was quite good. Now, he got a little shell-shocked there at the beginning. He said some poor pitch selection on his part, poor execution. He and Riley Adams got together, figured out what they needed to actually do. And he did, unlike Finnegan, he did flip that switch, figure it out, and I thought was excellent. 15 of the last 17 batters he faced, he retired. Only one walk that came almost at the end uh, of his outing. He got to face the lineup three times, uh, the first two hitters at least, in the fifth, and I think there's maybe a scenario where a few weeks from now, if he's still in the rotation, said 81 pitches after five innings, he might have earned Davey Martinez's trust to come back out for the sixth inning. So, I, you know, he gave him a chance, and I I look at that as a fairly positive development. I know the line's not going to look great, and when you look at what his ERA and all the other numbers are, it's nothing spectacular. But he showed me a little something in this one, and I, I think you saw that he can be effective in this role and that it's a veteran who has done this before and he wasn't going to let some first inning troubles completely let the thing fall apart on him. So with the Nats offense on Tuesday night, I have to tell you, I am conflicted because it was nice to see the Nats score early. It was terrific to see the Nats finish with 16 hits. But, you know, you take a step back. The Nats had 16 hits and yet they ended up only scoring six runs. Why? 13 of the 16 hits were singles. The Nats had 13 singles to go with three doubles and two walks. You know, we've talked about this already so much, right? The Nats do not hit for power. So it's like, on the one hand, great job. 16 hits, you scored early, like you had five Nats, each with at least two hits. Like the offense was alive in this game off being asleep on Monday night. On the other hand, the game in a lot of ways was like this uh, screaming reminder of the lack of power. I mean, all of these hits, <laughs> with the exception of three singles. Like, this is how the Nats do offense in 2023. Yeah, no, you're taking the words right out of my mouth. This is what I wrote about in my game story. Going into the ninth inning, they're out hitting the Rays 16 to 5. More than three times as many hits as the Rays, and yet they're only up by one run. They left a lot of runners out there. Now, some of that could be uh, you know, the timing of the hits that if they had one or two more in the right situations, runners in scoring position would have made a difference. Uh, you know, maybe a, the old productive out would have been nice a couple of times as well. But yeah, there wasn't that one swing 
that cleared the bases, drove everybody in. I mean, there were some nice at-bats, to be sure. Lane Thomas, a two-run double. Alex Call, a two-run, two-out single. Luis Garcia's uh, pinch-hit RBI double. These are all good things, and so there were a lot of positives there. But it did really remind you that they need to do a lot to score runs. They had an inning where they got four hits and only scored one run. <laughs> like, that's what it's taking for these guys. And on the flip side, the Rays... In the end, they end up with 10 hits, seven of them were for extra bases, four of them were home runs. That's how they won a game 10 to 6, despite being out hit by a comfortable margin. And that's aren't suddenly going to become a home run team. I think we know that. They're thinking is they can be a little better at that than they've been so far. But they have to execute almost perfectly when they get opportunities to score runs um, with this style of offense that they're putting out there. And they don't have a choice. This is kind of who they have to be. But even on a night when they did a lot of things right, and you could say this is their best offensive performance of the year so far, of course, and yet it could have been a lot more if they could have just hit for a little more power or delivered a couple more hits in the right moments. Hitting for power is just not something that the Nats do. They got out-homered in this game for nothing. The Nats now, in the regular season, out-homered by opponents 11-2. And, you know, yes, we are only five games into the season, but that is telling. 11-2, the Nats have been out homered on the year. Now, Mark hit on it. I mean, there were some big hits by the Nats in this game. It was great to see C.J. Abrams finally get a hit. Uh, Abrams, two for three with a double, a single, and a hit by pitch. The double, really impressive. Abrams in an Nats two-run second, a full count, opposite field double to left field for his first hit of the regular season, and the hit concluded a nine-pitch plate appearance. Kind of felt like the kind of hit that maybe gets him going a little bit, and sure enough, he did get a hit in his next at-bad. Lane Thomas had a nice game. You know, Thomas is off to a good start here. He was back to being in the leadoff spot for the Nats. Three for five with a two-run double, an RBI single, and another single. Uh, Victor Robles had two more singles, two leadoff singles. He went two for four in the game. Alex Call, three for four with a two-run single, two other singles, and a walk. Jamer Candelario, two for five with two singles. And you mentioned the big hit for Luis Garcia. He has struggled so far, did not get the start on Tuesday night, but came off the bench. And he and the Nats, one run seventh, had a pinch RBI double to right field for a 6-4 Nats lead. So, you know, if the Nats win this game, I feel like a big talking point, maybe even our lead on this installment of the podcast is what some of these younger Nats players did in this game. You know, seeing Abrams and Garcia and Thomas and Robles doing as they did. So yeah, I mean, you hate that the Nats still aren't hitting for power, but you did get some good offensive performances in this game. And they were good quality at bats. These weren't cheap hits. They were uh, working the count. Like I said, the Abrams one came on the ninth pitch of the at bat. That was great to see. You had two out hits big moments for some of these guys. You know what you also had in this game was some good aggressive base running, taking the extra base, going first to third. You had, I want to give him credit because we crushed him so much last year. Gary DeSarcina had a very aggressive send of Alex Call on the uh, Garcia pinch hit double, waved him around third, looked like there might have been a plate the plate, slid in safely. So that was a good job. There was a lot of good things that happened here. The problem is when you've got these guys whose game is built around singles and maybe the occasional double, it's just going to require a lot of this for them to score runs and win games. I mean, 16 hits should be an automatic W, I would think, for almost any lineup. Uh, Absolutely. And uh, that obviously ended up not being the case on Tuesday night. I want to talk about Lane Thomas for a moment because 
You know, in a lot of ways, Lane Thomas was the original Joey Manessis. It was Thomas in 2021 who, over the final two months of that season, went on this like out of nowhere tear, not to the extent that Manessis did in 2022, but I tell you, not far. I mean, what Thomas did over the final two months of 2021 was like in the same zip code as what Manessis did in 2022 over the final two months. And so, you know, one of the themes for Thomas last year, right, was, well, okay, what exactly do the Nats have in this guy? And, you know, it was, it was up and down, but he ended up having a, an okay season to where you felt like, all right, I mean, there there's something there, but we're still not quite sure exactly what. Well, here we are five games into this, into this Nats regular season. Lane Thomas is batting 381. He's slugging 476. Uh, he's yet to draw a walk, but you know he has had a decent number of productive plate appearances. Isn't hitting for power. That is true. But you know, as time goes on, it does feel like they have something in Lane Thomas. Like it feels like they they have a guy who can be productive, a guy who can be an above average major league hitter, can play a decent corner outfield spot. And you know, not that this is saying much, but like if you're saying, well, who has been the best Nats position player so far this season? You know, I think you can say Lane Thomas and not be wrong. And, you know, I, we don't talk about him a ton because the focus is more on, you know, Abrams and Ruiz and Luis Garcia. But, you know, it, it does matter what the Nats get out of Lane Thomas, what they ultimately end up having in Lane Thomas. Yeah. You know, let's remember he led the team 17 homers <laughs> last season. He was their uh, offensive player of the year, essentially, as voted on by us in the media. And I know it's a little bit of a default setting there, but somebody had to win it. And he, he did have a good season in total. Um, the key for him is consistency. He knows he needs to do it week in, week out, month in and month out. We have seen him bounce back and forth, the leadoff spot against lefties, but then down in the sixth or seventh spot against righties. I've wanted to believe that he can be a good leadoff hitter for them, but I think he does need to show that a little bit more consistently. We haven't seen the power yet, but I think that's okay. He's not necessarily somebody that they're counting on to be a huge power hitter for them. But I'll tell you what, I think it's an important year because we've talked about all the outfield prospects they have coming. And we sort of gloss over who anybody who's already here and say, well, within a couple of years, it's Elijah Green and it's uh, Robert Hassel and it is James Wood. And that's your starting outfield. And then maybe a Christian Vaquero or a Jeremy De La Rosa forces their win in as well. And we kind of forget, well, they do have a few still relatively young outfielders on the roster here who could retain those spots if they earn it. And Lane Thomas, I think it's a big year for him to try to remind everyone that, hey, hang on a second. You've already got a starting right fielder here. You don't need to bring in one of those kids. And I'm going to put Victor Robles in the same category. Obviously, he has a lot more to prove, but he is off to a tremendous start to the season. It continues what he was doing in spring training. And the best stat for him until his final at-bat of this game, three walks and zero strikeouts in the season. He finally struck out for the first time. But you know what? It was looking. It was a called 3-2 pitch after he'd fouled off a few. So, like, it was a good quality at-bat. This is a different Victor Robles. I don't know. It's five games. We can't go overboard yet. But it's certainly nice and refreshing to see that from him and wonder if we haven't heard the end of this, and maybe we shouldn't just completely write him off as being a part of the future. Well, and we have yet to have a Victor Robles boo-boo, a Victor Robles blunder. He came close a couple times on the bases, but has not happened yet. <laughs> close does not count, okay? I'm talking about a Roblesian screw-up, okay? We've become used to those in recent years. By my count, officially, we have yet to have one this year, and so if we can keep that number uh, low, then that's progress. That is a step forward. You know, it's tricky with the Nats' current major league outfielders because you certainly could make the case the Nats have an outfield 
that is comprised of guys who, for most other teams, would be fourth outfielders at best. Like, you could argue Corey Dickerson slash Alex Call in left, Victor Robles in center, Lane Thomas in right. All of those guys are fourth outfielders on good major league teams. And that may be the case, okay? Like, that is the truth. That may be the case. But, you know, it's also possible that you have something in Lane Thomas. I mean, if you look at Lane Thomas's stats with the Nats coming into this game on Tuesday— 770 plate appearances, an OPS plus of 111. That's a pretty good sample size. 770 plate appearances, and the OPS plus is above league average of 100. So that's not nothing. Like, that is something. And, you know, of course, that you got him for John Lester is a beautiful thing, but it's nice to see Lane Thomas off to a pretty good start here. So uh, that is encouraging. Well, the Nats on uh, Wednesday afternoon will try to avoid a three-game sweep to the Rays. We will have start number two for Patrick Corbin. And, you know, Davey is using a lot of relievers in these games. Now, he only had to use the two on Monday night because Mason Thompson ate up three innings. But, you know, as obvious as it is to say it would be nice to get some length from a starter, and as apparent as it is that we shouldn't be putting that weight on Patrick Corbin, you can't keep doing this where every game, three, four, five relievers, like especially with no off day coming up until a week from this Thursday. So, you know, if Corbin is going to have a lengthier outing this year, uh, Wednesday afternoon would not be a bad time for him to have one of those. Yeah. And it may be one of those where even if he does struggle and give up some runs early, he's going to have to stay in. I don't know that Davey can afford to pull the plug early on in this one because of what you said and because they're going to leave after the game on Wednesday and fly out to uh, Colorado, where it was snowing on Tuesday, by the way. It's supposed to warm up into the 70s, actually, by the end of the weekend. But you better have all of your bullpen available when you go to Coors Field for a four-game series. So some length from Patrick Corbin is a must on Wednesday, and it may be one of those where even if he's not all that effective, he may have to go give him his 100 pitches no matter what. Boy, Coors Field, as we know, it is where pitchers go to die. Although, remember, never forget this. Patrick Corbin, last May 4th, became the first Nats starter in that 2022 regular season to toss a complete game, and it happened at Coors Field. So, (laughs) you never know. Coors Field is so whacked out that something really good can happen, too, that a guy like Corbin can throw a complete game there. That's how messed up Coors Field is. You know who threw a shutout last year at Coors Field and shut out the Dodgers? You know who did that? Chad Cool. Chad Cool did. That's right. You never know. So up is down, left is right at Coors Field. So maybe the Nats get nothing but quality starts at Coors Field. Who the heck knows? You tell us what you think. You can hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the Nats Chat Podcast. Email Tim Shovers at NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram too, at Nats Chat Podcast. You can get yourself or someone who you know, a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt by going to natschatpodcast.square.site. Uh, don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. You can give those on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Also, you can write a brief review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts saying that you like the podcast, and we very much appreciate the ratings and the reviews. Uh, feel free to spread the word about the Natchat Podcast. We're with you with a new episode the morning after every Nationals game day, the only regular Nationals podcast out there in terms of a new episode uh, that comes out after each Nats game day. All Nationals radio highlights on Natchat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A salute to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat Podcast music. Visit timnewmark.com and Newmark is spelled N-E-U-M-A-R-K. For Mark Zuckerman, 
I'm Al Galdi. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. Kelly throws, and a check swing, little blooper to shallow right. This one may fall, and it will. It dunks in front of the right fielder, Rayleigh. Kind of an excuse-me punching swing off of that spinning slider, and have yourself a night, Alex Cole. He is three for three.